0: Chapter 22 of Hilchas Malva the laws of a lender and borrower. This chapter contains 17 halachas and deals with the actual procedure by which a lender collects his loan from the borrower. Perek Shnayim V'Eashrim, the 22nd chapter, Halacha Aleph. Sein der The order of collecting a debt is as follows. Kishiyo v'yamal v'shtara lebezdin when the lender brings his document to the court and it is validated that the witnesses on it are valid, they tell the borrower to pay. However, they do not take away his property and give it over to the lender until he has made a claim to the lender. In other words, when the lender first brings the document, they merely tell him to pay. Should he not? and the Lender not returned, nothing is done. Only when the lender returns again and says, now where's my money? then Only then they will go into his property to collect from it the value of the debt. And if the judge made an error and he took away the belongings of the borrower. Before the lender has made such a demand, masalkin we take the lender off the land and give it back to the borrower. let's say the borrower says that I will pay, and Man Kadesha and give me time, set me a time that I shall have the ability to take a loan from somebody else to pay you off. Or I will take the land which I have here, and instead of paying you back with my land, I will use this as a mashkin, as collateral, in order to take a loan from someone else, using this as a mashkin. Or I will sell it to somebody and give you back money instead of giving you the land. If if he claims such a thing, the court establishes him a 30-day period with which to accomplish this. And we do not require him to give some movable objects as the mashkin. Because if he had any movable objects immediately, the court would have collected the debt from them. Therefore, we do not take it as collateral. If there's anything to be taken, it's taken to repay should the lender wish to make a claim of excommunication, a against anyone that has money or movable objects and to make such verbal statements. Mahrim, he is allowed to make such a statement, should he not trust the borrower, he is allowed to make such a general statement, even within that time period. On the other hand, we do not require the borrower to provide an, uh, a guarantor, an orev, until that time comes that he is required to give back. However, after this 30 days pass, and he has not yet brought the money, best in case an adrahta. The court writes in as the, adrahta, the writ of execution, which will be much of the discussion of this parak, under what conditions and how exactly to write this writ, this adrahta. And so, too, if originally when the borrower was approached, he didn't say, give me a little bit of time. He says he's not going to pay. Then We write him this writ immediately and we do not even give him any time. This all applies when we're collecting from land. Because it was a loan which was with a document. The canim sham El and so too if it was only an oral agreement the loan was only oral in nature or that the borrower admitted himself the entire loan that there were no witnesses to it we write a writ of execution not in order to collect from the land or to take away from the Mishubadim but to take away from the B'nai K'ayrin those things which he has presently in his possession as the law is by an oral loan, that we are not allowed to collect from mishubadim from things which are in someone else's possessions now, but were simply sold or given to them by the borrower, and therefore our mishubod are subject to collection of a previous debt. In these cases, a Milbal and Haida, he can only collect from Bnei Chayrin, those things which are presently in the possession of the borrower. Halacha Beis. Omar the borrower claims makes a counterclaim and says this document, which has been validated in front of you judges, is really forged, and I can prove it I can bring a proof and nullify this document, and my witnesses are in such and such a place, and their names are such and such, so the judges have to estimate whether he is giving a rational claim or not. If it appears to the judges that there is something to his claim, they establish a time for for him to bring his witnesses. If he has witnesses that it's really forged, they give him a a set amount of time, uh, apparently according to the difficulty in finding the witnesses. But if it appears to the judges that he's only coming to confuse things with false claims, they tell him, First you pay. And afterwards, after you pay, then if you can bring us a proof later on, then we will listen to your proof, and he will have to return the money to you. But since we don't see anything concrete in your claim, you must pay immediately. However, if the malve, the lender, is somebody who is very strong, perhaps he will be unable to extract it from him, then we'll leave the money in the hand of a third party that will hold this money until he can have a chance to bring witnesses that it was really a forged document. Halacha Gimel. Now let's say that they saw that there was yesh bedvorev, there was something in this claim and they established a time for him to bring witnesses that it was forged. But he does not return. Let's say they established a time for him to bring a proof and nullify the document and there comes a the time and he's not here. We wait for him for an additional Monday, Thursday and Monday that normally... The Bate Dinim, the Bezdin, was in judgment on Monday and Thursday. They would have three sittings of the Bezdin to wait for him to come to one of those three sittings. And if he doesn't come, They They write for him a Psicha, which is a ban, a writ of excommunication. They place him in excommunication. And They take no further action against him, and he remains in the state of excommunication for 90 days. Why do they keep him 90 days in excommunication? We would think that since he hasn't brought a proof, we should immediately write an Adrachta and allow the lender to collect immediately. So the Ramam explains, they give him 90 days, The first 30 they give him, perhaps he is occupied in trying to take a loan to pay it off. The middle 30, perhaps he is trying to sell some land. Perhaps he has some land. Obviously, he has something that we're writing the Adrachta that the lender can collect from. Perhaps he's trying to find someone to buy this land so that he can give him money instead of land. And in this way, he will be able to choose what land. He will be able to sell off the cheaper land, for example. That's the second 30 days. In the last 30, because perhaps someone previously bought land from him and now that person owes the borrower money and this person that bought from the borrower is trying to find money to pay him off so that the seller who is our borrower can pay off his loan. So therefore, he has 90 days. If these 90 days are concluded, and he still does not come, the Bezdin writes an adrahta, a writ of collection on his belongings, and then they'll, they release him from his ban of excommunication, since now anyway, his possessions will be subject to collection. Allah If they're saying that after the 90 days that we give the person to find a proof to prove that the document was forged, we say we write an adrachta. In this halach adramam puts certain limitations on this 90-day period. <speaking in Hebrew> you cannot write this document until you send a messenger and notify the borrower that you are writing it. <speaking in Hebrew> However, this is only if he is within a two-day journey of bezdin. Yes, sir, Also, if he is more than two days away, ain't You have no need to notify him. However, bamed v'rim when does this apply? K'shahaya kola nishmat. When all 90 days that he has been looking for a proof, he has constantly been finding excuses. and he says, I'm still trying to find a proof, and then I will to find a document and by proving it's forged. But if he makes it clear that he has no intention of coming to Bezdin, you immediately write the Adrachta on his belongings, whether it's land or movable objects. You do not wait to notify him since he has made it clear that he is not coming to Bezdin and he is not really trying, then you write it immediately. So too, if the document was on a pikodun. In other words, it was not a document that a person borrowed money. There is a document that he had in his possession a pikodun, an object for safekeeping. And now the one that entrusted this object to him is demanding it back. So too, in this case, on the miyat. We again do not wait ninety days, but we write an adrahta immediately on his possessions. The only reason we give ninety days is for him to find money to pay back this loan. However, the only reason we do this is because when one borrows money, he borrows money with the intention of using it, and therefore is spending it, and we don't expect him to have money. But when an object is left as a if the person who is entrusted with it is not allowed to use it, so he doesn't need 90 days for anything, he should have it in his possession. Should he not be able to find it, or should he have lost it, or or some other... A case where he was negligent, then he must pay immediately. We don't give him 90 days to try to find it. This, that he can't find it immediately, it's, this itself is Shia is negligence. And therefore he must pay right away. This that the Rambam said in this halacha, that if the person says that he ain't ebol a that I'm not coming to Bezdin, apparently means not only in a case where he said that I'm not going to go to a Bezdin after 90 days, that we don't need to go notify him. That even if should it be within the 90-day period, once it becomes clear to us that he has no intention of coming back to court to bring proof, immediately we write the adrahta even within the 90 days. And now another limitation on this 90-day period. This that we say, that if he doesn't come after 90 days, we write this writ of collection. That's only in order to collect from land but if he's coming to collect from the movable objects of the borrower even after 90 days calls that the borrower says now I'm going to bring a proof and nullify no, the document by showing it's forged we do not allow the lender to collect from movable objects what's the difference between movable objects and land? the Ramam gives the reasoning Shema Perhaps they will be consumed by the lender. He will utilize these movable objects and they will be, be consumed. Later on, the borrower will, will be, be able to bring a proof. He will nullify the document. And he won't find anything to recollect it from since the metallotene have been consumed. And even should the lender have another piece of land. So we would think that even though the metallotene have been consumed, still the borrower who had the money taken away from him illegally, will be able to collect from the land, even then we don't allow it. Because Perhaps the field will become infertile, or it will dry up and be unable to produce fruit. Therefore, we don't, as long as we see a reasonable claim by the borrower that, he, that the document was forged, we wait for him to bring such a proof and we do not allow the lender to collect. Allah above. Beginning with this halacha, up to halacha yir aleth, the Ramam will describe the procedure of actually collecting this debt, starting with the first document, the Adrahta, and continuing to two further documents as part of the collection procedure. How is it that you write this writ of collection? If he is coming to collect from B'nei Khairin objects which are presently in the possession of the borrower, they say, which means that they say to the safer who writes in the document, One person ends up owing uh, owes another one in judgment so much and so much. And he doesn't give it himself. He was not willing to give it. And therefore, we wrote this writ of collection for this particular field of the borrower. And afterwards, three people who are expert in estimating the value of land estimate the value of this field in accordance to account uh, to be able to pay off this debt and they announce that this field is for sale for a time period they consider appropriate until no longer anyone is bidding. In other words, they reach the highest bidder. And then they allow this lender to collect his debt from the portion which they have estimated for him. In other words, should they find a buyer only for, for the value which they estimated for the field, this is exactly what he gets. Should a person bid more than they have evaluated the field for, then the lender gets only the value which they have determined for this field. Whereas the extra money will go back to the owner of the field. And afterwards, Should it have been with a document, then they tear up the document of the loan. This is an order so that after taking this adrachta ad- and using it for its collection, the lender will not be able to later on produce the document of a loan in and of the court and then collect a second time. This is all if they're collecting from Bnei Khairin. <speaking in foreign language> if he does not have possessions presently under his ownership, then he is hoping to collect from Meshubodim, from land which, or other objects which this borrower has sold to other people. Therefore, we'll have to write the Adrachta differently, and there will be another two documents which later have to be written. So, you write it as follows. This person owns another one as a result of the document of the loan that he has. And he, the borrower did not pay his loan, and we did not find in his possession any Bnei we already ripped up this document that he has and we gave this person meaning the lender permission to inquire and search and that his hand his, his uh, grasp in other words should be over any possessions which he finds and any land which has been sold after the following date, indicating the date of the loan. This lender is allowed to pay off his debt from anything which he finds. And after this document is written, the lender goes, Should he find Bnei Chayrin possessions which are presently owned by the borrower, then they estimate him the value of the money he's owned and take from those possessions. And should he find things which were meshubat, that they were subject to collection, that which were sold after the time in the shtar, the lender is allowed to take these away from the buyer. We tear up this document of the Adrachta and we write him a new star, known as a shtar Tirpa, a document of seizure to grab, seizing the field. The reason again we tear up the Adrachta is because if we don't and we write him a shtar Tirpa, he will, he will collect with the shtar Tirpa and later on he will produce somewhere else the Adrachta and collect with that. Allah <laughs> Chachez. Kaisman, How do we write the shtar Tirpa? We write as follows. Each plenie, there are now three parties involved over here. Ish plainiben plaini Zahabadin Litreshvach such and such a person, meaning the lender, has won a judgment to grab away from the money he's owed, Sha plaini that another one is responsible to pay him, meaning the borrower. Shahukachvakak me sa the plainis. And it is such and such an amount from such and such a field, that the third party, the laikas, the buyer, bought at such and such a time for such and such an amount. And we have already torn up the adrachta that this lender was holding, and we have given him permission to grab away the value of this field such and such an amount. And after you have written the star tirpa, the writ of seizure, to grab away the field, we take three experts, people that are expert in estimating the value of the of the field. We bring them into this field. They estimate an amount of land to compensate for the for the money which is owed. So come and first for the keren, the amount itself, and also for the chasi ha-shevach, the half of the improvement in value of the field which has occurred from the time he became responsible to pay the loan until the present time. Komo Shebiyarnu, as the Ramam explained in the beginning of Tarekhof Aleph, that not only does he get the keren, but he gets to split the shevach, the improvement in the land, with the lakeach. And we advertise and announce that this field is for sale for 30 days, similar to the, what is done when one sells the belongings of orphans in order to pay debts. That we must be Mahriz and give 30 days in order to get the best bidder. Because if you get someone to bid more than they have estimated the field is worth, the extra money will go back to the usamian, back to the orphans. And so too over here, should there be anything extra, and we'll go back to the borrower who is now re- regaining his field. And after you have determined the price for the field, You make the, leiva, the borrower take an oath that he does not have anything with which to pay back, as the Gainim have established. At least if the borrower is here with us in the same land, meaning apparently the same city. We make him take a note that he has nothing, because if he does have something, the loan should be repaid from his possessions rather than from the lukuches. And then, we have the lender who is grabbing away the field, take an oath holding a holy object, a Sefer and he swears, that he had, this debt has not been paid off, and that he has not been meichel, he has not forgiven it, and that he has not sold rights to collection for this loan to another, per, another person. Thereby saying that this is going to be the last repayment of this loan. The reason he must swear holding a Torah scroll is that in any case, where a sage has established a law, uh, an oath in order to collect money, take money away from another. The law is it must be done. have to swear holding a And then we let him go into the belongings of the of the buyer as has been estimated for him, and then we write him a new document, aksav that he has allowed now to go down to actually collect the field or the belongings, whatever it is, from the Lekeah, the third party, in order to satisfy his debt. The commentaries point out that there is apparently another step missing over here, that after the value of the land and the measurements of the land have been established, as mentioned in Al-Achatas, the then that itself is placed on a document, known as a shtar shuma, showing the amount of land which is equivalent to the money he is owed. Kaisvin. and then how do we write this document? The ksav hayrada, they write as follows: After we estimated for this person, meaning to the lender, for with the shuma, the estimated value of the land which he is now holding in his hand, evidently this ksav yad, this written document showing how much land has been estimated to equal his debt and after we have announced for 30 days as is proper that it is being sold. Furthermore, and we have made the teref, the lender who is swearing take an oath of the nishboyim and also the borrower must also take an oath as we mentioned previously that he has nothing within his possession. That we... Took him down into this field in order that he should utilize this field as a person that utilizes his own property, clarifying that they have brought him into this field and he is now allowed to use it as his own personal rechush. And from when is the lender who is going to grab this field away allowed to eat the fruit? There are many steps which we must go through before we see he can actually take the field completely for himself. Three documents must be written and so on. When is he allowed to consume the fruit? Immediately after the days of announcement, of advertisement, have ceased. Immediately thereafter he is allowed to consume the fruits of the field. Halakha Yudgimel. In this halacha, the Ramam explains that all of these documents we have mentioned must have written in them that the previous document, which, the one which preceded them, which itself would be sufficient in order to collect land, it must be written in the later document that the previous one has been torn and annulled. The first writ of uh, a collection, which does not say in it, that the shtar halva, the document of the original loan, has been ripped up. It is not a valid writ of collection. The next step, the shtar tirpa, that, uh, the writ of seizure, which does not say that we tore up the previous shtar, the adrahta, is not a valid shtar tirpa. The shtar and so too, the, the document which has written on it the estimated value of the land, which we mention in Alokhi Yid Aleph, any Shuma, the La book Ranu, La Tirpa, ain't a Shuma. If it does not have written in it explicitly that they ripped off the Shtar Tirpa, it is not a valid Shuma. When it comes to estimating the land, we mentioned previously that there must be three that are expert in the value of land to do the estimation. In this halacha, the Rambam discusses what would be if should there be a, a disagreement among the three as to the value of the land. If there are three that went to estimate the value of the field, let's say one of them estimated the value of the field at 100, and two of them say it's worth two hundred. Or conversely, One of them said 200, and the other two say 100. How do we resolve this conflict? The one who is singular in his opinion is Since he's one against two, we go by the opinion of the two and ignore the one. Let's say none of the three should agree. One of them says 100, one says 80, and the other says 120 we estimate its value then as a hundred since one extreme is 120 and one extreme is 80 we take the middle between the two extremes which is a hundred and so too even if that middle between the two extremes should not correspond to the third opinion let's say one says a hundred the other says 90 and the other says 130 in this case, the difference between 130 and 90 is 40. We split the difference by 20 between them. Subtract one, uh, 130 minus 20 is 110, which is halfway, another 20 down to 90. And therefore, 110 is the value. We judge the value of the field as 110, even between the two extremes of 130 and 90, although it is higher than the middle opinion, that of 100 shamin and this is the way we estimate between all three of them let 's say the court estimated the value of the belongings which will ha- are in the possession of the lekeach, of the buyer, in order that the teideff, the original lender, should be able to grab them away. And in the process of this estimation, they made a mistake. Even the slightest amount of, uh, of mistake, mechram batul, the entire sale is invalid. In other words, when the bezdin sells this land at, at their mistaken price, that sale is invalid. Why is it invalid? Usually we say pachos mishtus. Should it be any error, error which is less than one-sixth of the value, it is not considered to be something people are particular about, and therefore, the sale is still valid. But in this case, it's different, because the Bezden is acting like a shliach, like a messenger. Sharehim k'shliach The Bezden is acting like a messenger, both of the tedef, of the lender who is now grabbing away this field and wants to collect from it, and also from the Lakeach. Since he is going to recover the one that bought this field from the borrower, he's going to recover the value of this field from him, so he wants to know the value. And therefore, Therefore, the Benzden only has permission to fix things up, literally, and not to ruin things, just as a shliach is. As the Rambam explains in Hilka Shluchin Veshutvin, that a shliach is only a valid shliach if he helps out the person that sent him. Should he... Uh, deviate from his instructions even in the slightest, then the entire shlichus relationship is nullified. And so too over here. And all the legal authorities rule in this way. In this in the last halach of the Perek, the Raman discusses whether in the case of Shuma Bezdin, when the Bezdin has collected a debt through estimating the value of, of objects which belong to the borrower, or to the, the buyer, the lakeah who has bought something from the borrower, whether later on they have the choice of taking that land back through satisfying the lender by giving him money instead, or does the lender have the right to hold on to the land instead of the money. Bezdin she'shamu lebalchev, a Bezdin who has estimated the land of prop, estimated the value of property for a lender, whether it was in the hands of the leva himself, of the borrower, or whether it was Meshubah land which was subject to a collection of the loan, which was in the hand of a Lekeach, someone that bought from the borrower. So it was already grabbed away from either the leva or the Lekeach. And at a later time, the borrower or the nitraf, the buyer, or either of their heirs, gain sufficient money, the hevil, the balchev, as ma'esav. And they bring money, the value of what was owed to the lender with the intent of giving him the money and getting the land back. The law is masalkin eisei ma'esa that we remove the lender from that land and we force him to accept the money and to give the land back to its original owner. The principle is that Shuma, when land has been estimated and taken away from someone, it goes back to its, always goes back to its original owner should the original owner be able to provide the money. Because it says in the Chumash, You should do what is right and what is good. And this, the Rambam tells us, refers to, to returning the land in the event that they can provide the money. Now, the final halacha of the parak, halacha yedzayin. Let's say land has been estimated in value, it has been assessed for a certain lender, and it has been given over to that lender from taken away from the borrower. However, we find out that this Malva, this original lender, who now is in possession of the land of the original borrower, he himself has borrowed money from someone else, and now he is unable to pay his loan, and the Bezdin now has to estimate the value of his field to give it to his, his Malva, to the one that he lent money from. So now the question is that although the original borrower would have the right to grab it back From the from his malveh from his lender, as we learned in the previous halacha, once it has been given over to another lender, a lender which he doesn't have anything to do with, does he have the right to grab it away from that person? He has no business dealings with him whatsoever. So the Rambam says, nevertheless, harizu chayzeres. It also goes back to its original owner, to the original borrower. Because his power cannot be any greater than the original Baal Since the original Baal the first lender, would not be able to hold on to this field, the one that he borrowed money from cannot be any better than him. In any of the following four cases, that the Baal the lender, after grabbing this field back, sold it to another person, or he gave it as a gift to another person, or originally when it was taken away from the borrower, it was done so mit date with the agreement of the borrower. Not that he was forced by Besden to give over the land, that he offered of his own accord. Here, you can take it from this land. Or a fourth case, Shemes, that the lender, after bringing this land into his possession, dies and gives it over as an inheritance to his children. In any of these cases, the Original owner, the borrower, does not have the right to reclaim it since it is either left his possession out of his own free will or because it is no longer in the possession of, the, of his balchayv, of his lender. And similarly, Shomu katakali isha Let's say that a woman lent money to someone when she was single. And now she collected her, she collected this debt from Karka. She grabbed away some land from the one that she lent to. And now she got married. And as a married woman now, all of her possessions, including this land, which she grabbed away from the borrower, is now her husband's possession. Or, that when she was single, she had borrowed money, and they grabbed a field away from her for money she owed, and now she is married? The question here is that in the first case, when she grabbed the money away, now it's her husband's possession. Can the borrower grab that land back, as we learned in Tazayin, by giving her money, or do we say that now it's in the husband's possession and it says it has been sold to him? And in the second case, it has been grabbed away from her. If she gets the money, or her husband gets the money, can she grab it back? Or do we say that she is not grabbing it back? Anything is going to belong to the husband. And he has no right here. So the Rambam rules, That a husband, regarding his wife's possessions, is considered as if he bought them halachically. And therefore, We do not return it from his hands after she has married. That the field has been claimed by her. And now she is married. We do not return it back to the borrower. Because it's as if he has bought the field from his wife. And as we mentioned previously in the halacha, if the Baal sells the field, in this case the woman, it's as if she sold the field to her husband, that it does not go back to the borrower. But so too we do not return it to him. In the second case that Abba mentioned that if the field was grabbed from her and then she got married, he cannot demand the field back as a result of giving that lender money. Since he is considered like a lekeach, as if he has bought all of his wife's possessions, she no longer has any right to the field and certainly her husband has no right either. Therefore he cannot reclaim it.